This episode of the I Needed That podcast sponsored by BetterHelp. When did I know it was time to talk to somebody? I thought about it for a second and I just said, you know, it was when I realized that it's not that something was wrong, but it was that something was different. I, I couldn't find my same groove. And for me, that was that was the very first time that I just thought, okay, I, I, I need to talk to somebody about this. We just want to let you know that BetterHelp, the world's largest therapy service, uh, which, by the way, is 100% online, is a great partner of our I Needed That podcast. As a matter of fact, you can get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash I Needed That. And we have a link in our show notes to check that out as well. Um, I want to spend a couple of minutes talking about NeuroMints because they have literally become my thing. And I'm so happy that they're a sponsor of this podcast episode. I'm, I'm a fan of the formula. They've done a really good job with mm. natural caffeine, L-theanine, B vitamins. Man, look at that. Try neurogum.com slash I needed that. Or again, in the show notes, guys, please hit the show notes, hit our link and enjoy a little kiss as you pick up some of their um, either mints or their gum. I know you love cinnamon. You've requested cinnamon gum. It's my jam, dude. I love it. Uh, finally, before we get to our podcast today, we want to let you guys know that we have a brand new partner that's just come to the table. We love these guys so much because Chris and I have been using their products since way before they ever expressed interest in being on the podcast. And I am in love with the balm. I'm in love with just I'm a formula guy. The quality ingredients, nothing's going to top that, but the smell Bro, the smell oh is my so good. It's like cinnamon. The kids love the smell on me also, actually. So it's it's actually flavored with cinnamon, clove, and ginger. And and I've even said to people, I want to eat this stuff. So here, what are we talking about? We're talking about Zens and Antera Organics premium quality CBD products. I've been using CBD since when it was controversial. Remember, it was like, oh my yeah. gosh, it came from the cannabis plant, but it it really helps as far as the reduction of inflammation, et cetera. So, wow. and like you said, you, you you do the the topical and and the tincture. I'm all for it because I'm all about the systemic and then the topical as well. So wherever you know, if I've just got a strained muscle or something like that, I'll just go I'll rub it in there. But I'm Me I'm too. pushing the tinctures. I've been taking CBD for years. And then this is this is the brand I've landed on just because, again, quality of the ingredients and the smell is just, again, it's so good. You can get 20% off your first purchase of Antera products. Code, I needed that at checkout. And again, guys, we're going to throw all the links in our show notes just to make it so easy for you. But please support these partners because they're supporting us and they're allowing us to grow this thing in a really kick butt and meaningful way, right? Absolutely. Looks like it's podcast time, pal. Yes, I cannot wait, buddy. Let's go. It's going to be a good one today. Welcome to our I Needed That Podcast. My name is Matthew Blades. And I am Chris Powell. Boom. We have such a great show, such a great podcast for everybody today. You are fresh off of your appearance on the Sherry Shepard Show, which I want to talk about a little bit. Yes. We're going to welcome Nicole Groman into the conversation, the Hungry Clementine. She is somebody who specializes uh, with folks in eating disorders. And so that's a whole world that I don't understand too much, but I'd like to understand a little bit more. You know, it's going to be a really good conversation, especially because, you know, I find myself in a, in a place where I'm helping people 
people through a weight loss journey of transformation, but then how can we do that and incorporate some of the things of her teachings mm. so that we can do that without causing an unhealthy relationship with food? And she is the specialist in that area. So I think we're going to get a lot of really good information from her, and I'm, I'm excited to learn today. Cool. We're going to play Name That Tune. You're also going to do a deep dive on what? Realistic expectations of your family, your friends, and your loved ones when it comes to transforming. Okay. Because, you know, a lot of times it does not go as planned. You don't get the support that you think you're going to get. It's hard. Oh, man. It's it hard. And I, and I think, you know, you kind of nail it at the end. But it is that idea that they're afraid they're going to lose you. I think that, I mean, yeah. you're so smart to say that. I think yeah. that's probably what it is. All right. So that's all stuff that's coming up. Let me bring this sound up right now. What you are getting ready to listen to is this guy named Chris Powell. And Sherry Shepard <laughs> sharing a moment on her daytime TV show. Have a listen. We, we know you as a happy fitness expert that we've seen on TV, but you have had your share of mental health struggles. So why do you feel it was important to share it with everybody? Well, you know, the, the irony of the whole thing is that when I was working with my people on extreme weight loss, which yes. was incredible, we spent so much time on the mental aspect of their journey to, so, they, so that they could focus on the physical aspect. Right. They, they were tied together. But not me. I was just the coach. I was helping them through, and I was eating healthy, and I was working out. I didn't, un I didn't fully understand it until I went through my own journey. Mm. And then shortly after the show ended, my marriage started falling apart, and I started falling into a really dark place. Yeah. And to, actually to the point where I didn't even want to work out. I didn't want to get out of bed in the morning. Really? And so when I was there, you know, I, I started seeking therapy, and it was actually when I went to a psychologist. This is after several years, and... Um, it was interesting because I, I got up to her in the bathroom once and I, I looked at her clipboard and it said anxiety disorder, circled, mm. and then depression, underlined. And I went, oh my gosh. And I, when I came back to, to sit down on the couch, she goes, How, what would you think about seeing a psychiatrist? Okay. You know, so then I started my journey of mental health from there and it opened up my eyes to the fact that I can't talk about physical health without talking about mental health in the same conversation. Mm. We can't talk about mental health right. without talking about physical health. Oh, wow. Chris for the win. Everybody loves that, man. Great job. Well, thank you, my friend. That was so, I got to say, it was awesome being back on our show. Sherry and I go way back. We go way back. I, I've done She's the, so fun, man. Uh, I never realized how fun she is. But when you were taking her through the Move One Million sequence, and she was like, oh, Lord, yeah. my legs are burning. <laughs> yes. My thighs are on fire. She yes. was hilarious. That's Sherry. And she's in really good shape also, by the way. I don't know if you ever check out her Instagram, but you got to see her. She does like this double Dutch competition. Like, don't don't let her fool you. She knows really? what she's doing. Oh, yeah. But she's she is such a beautiful soul. She and I, I've known her for Oh, gosh, I mean, 12, 13, 14 years now. Wow. Yeah, and uh, so it was awesome coming back on her show and, and just sharing that moment, re reuniting after. Last time I saw her was a long, I mean, it was probably seven, seven years ago or so. Mm. And, um, yeah, I had, a, I, I had a blast. We went through Move One Million. We talked about the podcast. Yeah, did you see that? I did see that. Yes, yeah, she's course. all about it. So uh, all, it's uh, many more times to come on the Sherry Shepherd show. She's she's awesome. And she said, you come on back anytime. So Quick show note for anybody who would like a little bit more beef on the bone uh, with that conversation around the mood disorder and what happened next with Chris in regards to, you know, not just seeing a psychologist, but seeing a psychiatrist. I encourage anybody to head back to our very first trailer episode. <clears throat> and that's kind of where we do a little bit more of a deeper dive on that whole experience. Um how are you doing in the space of sharing your mental health struggles with the world? Well, now, great. Feeling better. Oh, my gosh, 100%. Isn't it unbelievable how, like, the first few times you do it, you think to yourself, oh, my God, 
what am I getting ready to say? Oh, yeah. I'm going to out everybody, yeah. including myself. But, man, talk to me about the freedom you feel. Do you remember when we first, uh, on our very first podcast, I was, just, I was breathing shallowly. Yeah. I, you could hear my dry mouth. I was <laughs> sniffing. I, 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 I get this nervous sniff. Like, I don't know. It's, it's, a, it's like a tick. Is Chris doing um, cocaine? No, he's just <laughs> nervous. Yeah. I mean, and, and you could hear it. And I'm just constantly trying to search for the right words to use. And now I can talk completely openly about it. Mm. And uh, with, without feeling any anxiety or... And a lot of that came about... <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, but a, a lot of that came about, especially after sharing my struggles here on the, on the podcast and on several national platforms now. The response I got was just so overwhelming. And it's the funniest thing because... It happens Say over, it. you know, it. it's, it's, there's so much ego involved and you're just, it's so easy to fall into the trap of just trying to look good in front of everybody, mm -hmm. but you lose connection with everybody when you do that. And then you finally, you open up the kimono and you just share who you really are and everyone goes, oh my gosh, me too. And the connection is so much more beautiful and so much more powerful. So I just made a post about this on my Instagram a couple of days ago. And I said, you know, there's so many people as I've gone through my transformation and my journey with mental wellness too. And I'm not on my podcast, learn from people who lived it. I've talked to hundreds of people who have literally been through the mental health journey now. Yeah. And if there's one thing that prevents people from taking that leap of faith, it's they're nervous about when they say all of the words out loud, what's going to happen next. For sure. And I just want to encourage people. There's a way to do that very open, very lovingly in a way where people won't put you on blast, but they will completely see you and respect you because we're not doing it. As I was like to say, the joke I make is like, I'm not saying this stuff to blast you on TMZ. I'm right. saying this so that we can start to do something different with our lives. Yes. 100%. That's the motivation. What was that experience like for you sharing it for the first time? Did you get the same feelings? The anxiety, the nerves, worrying about what people would think? God, man. You know, I, when I did it, so I did mine just a slightly different than you. You did yours on Good Morning America. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's right. I did mine on my own podcast, but I did mine three weeks after my mental uh, health and, and wellness uh, retreat. Mm. And so in a lot of ways, it was so raw that I don't even totally remember how I, I felt. But I, I, do, I, I would say freeing. I would say like a load was lift, like a weight was lifted off my shoulders. I felt ultimately, I felt like I created space for myself yeah. by coming clean with it. So yeah. I think that's, that's the thing. And I don't get embarrassed about it. I'm not anxious about it anymore. And that's why I wondered where you were at in, in your journey because, you know, now somebody could come up to me and they could be like, oh, so you had suicidal thoughts, huh? Yeah, I did. Let's talk about it. You know, it's yeah. not a big deal for me to go down that road. 100%. Yeah. But in the beginning, it's a little challenging. Yeah. And it will be for you, me, and anybody else for sure. Oh, same thing when I was talking about, when I first started talking about my opioid addiction. Mm -hmm. I'm sure you probably felt the same thing when you are talking about your, your struggles with sure. alcohol. Sure. Yeah. It's, but again, the moment you just start talking about it, the support that you receive is so overwhelmingly beautiful. And I, I mean, have you ever, has anybody been like, dude, you're weak. It's literally <laughs> the funniest part about this whole thing and not ha ha funny, but yeah, I came clean almost two years ago. Mm. I have yet, I have yet 
to have one person come to me and say, you know, you're weak, yeah. you're this, you're that, shut up. Blah, not blah, one. Blah. Not one. Not one. Let that be the lesson. Yeah, no kidding. On how our minds play tricks on us. <laughs> and this, yeah, open up, come, ple- come clean, be you. And, and you realize, man, you are, you are so lovable yeah. as you are. Golly. You know? Say it again, right? You're so yeah. lovable as you are. Yes. All right, we're going to get to name that tune. We've got our deep dive coming up. I see Nicole Groman right now in the queue. Should we bring her in? Let's do it. All right, I am so excited about our next guest today, Nicole Groman. She is a registered dietitian based in New York City. I think she's there right now, as a matter of fact. Graduated from fancy places like Cornell, NYU. (laughs) And she's going to help us today understand something she calls intuitive eating. Yes, and she has also been featured in Vogue in Women's Health. And we're going to talk about diets today and how they can actually catapult people into disordered eating. Mm, Interesting. So lots of conversation to be had here. Yeah, Nicole, how are you? I'm great. I'm really excited to talk with you guys today. Listen, I I am excited to have you on because I have to be fully transparent in this moment. I believe that the two of you have so much knowledge about the things we're getting ready to discuss. And it really truly is an area for me that I do not understand very well. And I would Mm -hmm. like to understand better. Um, I have certainly friends and family who have experienced disordered eating before, eating disorder, all the things that you kind of, you know, throw into that basket. And I just don't have a great understanding. So uh, my goal today, if I set an intention, is to come away from this conversation with a really deep understanding of what those folks are dealing with, thinking about how they're trying to overcome it and all of that stuff. Yeah. No, I absolutely. And I'm, I'm excited to, to kind of lean on Nicole for a lot of her experience and knowledge in this space. Because I've been on the, on the flip side of the coin here. I've, I've created diets for a lot of people. Yeah. And I've, I've seen them do a lot of good. And I've also, in full transparency, I've seen them do harm. And so this yeah. is why I'm really excited to talk to you today, Nicole, and mm-hmm. really get some information so that we can apply it. And especially selfishly, I can apply it for a lot of my people yeah. moving forward as well. Not selfish. I think that's very well intended. And the more people that understand it and can then help others with it, the better. So movement. I mean, we can jump right into Let's go. the intuitive eating thing. Because um, movement and, and finding a healthy relationship with movement is a big part of the intuitive eating process and journey. And one of the principles of intuitive eating is moving joyfully or find the joy in movement. Um, And yes, I agree that many times you don't necessarily want to go in and then you feel great after. But one thing, especially for somebody who's like kind of early on in their journey of making peace with food, they can be coming from a place where their relationship with exercise was also kind of broken. And like they were using exercise to compensate for what they ate prior or to earn what they're going to eat, um, exercise to, to manipulate their body. And I use the word manipulate very intentionally because, you know, with diet and exercise, sometimes people, um, and I know as I say this, most people might be like, well, like no shit. That's why people exercise. But like when, you know, exercise is consistently done to change the body, um, and, and make it into something that maybe isn't meant to be, or like, punish it for what it looks like to try to change it into something else that can really cultivate an unhealthy relationship with both with exercise with the body so sometimes or often i will encourage people if you don't want to move and exercise like don't 
especially earlier on, because you want to make sure that you're doing it in a way that is for the right reasons. Um, and kind of being honest and checking in with yourself, like, am I about to go exercise because I feel bad about my body today because I ate this yesterday? Or am I about to go exercise because I'm genuinely in the mood to move? So most often, um, I don't think that there's like never a time and a place for just getting yourself to move um, or getting yourself to the gym or whatever it may be. But like sometimes if you don't want to do it, it can be best to skip it. Interesting. Give me a take on that. I 100% agree with you. And of course, that, that's me also coming from a place for probably a good 15 years, 15 years, yes, of, of my career, it was forcing people to move, to exercise. Mm -hmm. And the more I learned and the more people I worked with, the more I realized that they don't necessarily have to. We can, we can take other steps to move them into that journey if they're, not, if they're not ready to move, but they're coming to me because they want to lose weight. This is, and this is again, how much I've changed over the years also, but like mm. before it was all diet and exercise. Let's, you know, lay the foundation of water. Let's go ahead and talk about your nutrition and we'll use exercise on top of that to accelerate it. And now it's like, well, maybe just try breathing for a minute. Mm. You know, Hey, let's, mm -hmm. let's just try improving your sleep for the next couple of weeks. You mm -hmm. know, it's, and, and, and sometimes, and when, the, when they're ready, okay, then let's adopt something. Now, Nicole, where do you like to start people when they're ready to move? Walking? I ask them what they like to do. Uh, so when people are like, what should I eat? I'm like, what do you like? How should I move? What do you like to do? Um, I try to get the input from the person first. So it can be walking, but it could be dancing. It could be, and like by dancing, I mean a class or even just putting on music in your apartment and dance or home and like dancing around. Um, I ask what you, I very often ask like, what did you like to do as a kid? Because when we're kids um, up to a certain point, all these preconceived notions about like food and body and exercise, like haven't gotten in, we haven't been adulterated yet in this way. So like, what did you like to do as a kid? Um, I think you asked, I think Matthew, you asked like how I usually bring it up with a person. And it's when, it's when they're ready. I don't bring up exercise until the client does, um, or until there is a part of the conversation that can lead naturally to it. Like I'm feeling, you know, out of breath more easily or my my movements feeling like I don't I can't do things as comfortably as I used to or whatever it is like that's a really natural transition to okay well if you want to feel like you have more mobility exercise is one way to do that like how do you feel about exercise fitting into your life so like that's the way that it usually comes cool. up again right. I'm here to learn so will you help us yeah. understand what intuitive eating means what what is that yeah. in a nutshell yeah, absolutely. It is a way to help you reconnect with your body. So the thing about intuitive eating that's interesting is like, I once heard a quote, we wouldn't need to call it intuitive eating, like, because it is kind of just eating. But, but because we've all been infiltrated with diet culture messaging and the you know, thin ideal and like everything that we have come to learn and believe about food and body, we've all kind of forgotten how to eat and have lost touch with our um, intuitive natural cues that we were all born with. So intuitive eating is the process by which you reconnect with the physical cues that you were born with and learn how to eat in a way that is, um, that, that feels natural, that feels aligned, that uh, feels like um, pleasant with your body, that supports a healthy relationship with both food and your body. It's, I use the phrase personally, um, body connected eating, like more and more. This is a phrase that I 
sort of like in the last few months come up with as I start to talk about intuitive eating so often, I'm like another way to kind of think about it is eating in a way that's connected to your body um, and like relearning how to do that because we all knew how and then we forgot. So what's the first step that somebody would take if they're looking to start intuitive eating? So the first principle of intuitive eating is to, it's called reject the diet mentality. And um, that is, I think, like really the first great step because in order to go into this really openly and ready, um, letting go of, you know, the, the idea that you're going to start dieting again sometime soon or holding on to the hope. This is the way that they phrase it. And I love it. Like, the, like you want to let go of that lingering hope that another diet is around the corner. So really just kind of um, rejecting that mentality about dieting and plans and intentional weight loss. So going in with that mindset is the first step. Right. And then, and then from there, do you move them into kind of listening to their own hunger cues satiety cues like how how do you bring that up to people or like when when you kind of check in with your body and just think like am i actually physically hungry right now or you know like there's that saying in japan um the harahachibu is what they call it eat eat, eat until you're 80 percent full right so it's like it's constantly checking in of like where am i right now am i physically hungry or am i emotionally hungry or am i bored or like what like how, how do you how do you even approach that with your clients yeah. So the first step that I usually take is actually to, I mean, it depends on the person, but like, for example, in the ebook that I came out with or in my group program, the first step is to remove the labels of good and bad. And that's usually one of the first steps that I take more often than not, because there's so much that happens. There's so many consequences of labeling foods as good and bad. And I, I can also answer the question about physical cues, but I feel like this is kind of two different things, like where I first start and also like how you help people reconnect with those physical cues are two different things. Um, But the reason that I start with, yeah, removing those labels is because I'm like, oh my God, where do I begin? There's such a, okay, because like (laughs) there's so many problems with doing it. Um, When we label a food, so many, so many people, when they like want to begin this journey, they kind of come in feeling out of control around food. They feel like they've tried every diet and they can't do it anymore and they don't know where to turn next. They're very obsessed with thoughts about food, very obsessed with thoughts about their body. And luckily at this point, intuitive eating is becoming more well-known and like more popular. Um, And people are realizing, oh, there's another way, like other than dieting, right? So most people come into this process with these preconceived notions about what's good and what's bad. And when you label a food as bad, it automatically creates this um, sense of, of like a scarcity mindset and the last supper mentality around it. Because you're thinking like, okay, this food is bad. So you're either trying to avoid it, which doesn't work long-term, right? Like how many times have you heard somebody say like, oh, I'm trying to be good this week, but I blew it. Like that is completely rooted in good versus bad, right? I was trying to be good and then I was bad. Um, because the body is going to, like not let you continue restricting at some point, right? It's physiology. So if you're trying to like eliminate carbs, for example, or eat low carb, our body loves carbs. It's our quickest source of energy. Um, Sooner or later, somebody is like, oh, I couldn't do it anymore. And then they eat the carbs 
they label the carbs as bad because it's bad in the brain. It's like, well, because this is bad, this is not something that I'm going to get to do again, right? Yep. So I'm going to eat it all right now. I'm going to get it all in right now, you know? Yep. Um, and then that leads to the feelings of guilt and shame and regret and I'll be good again tomorrow. So mm. like this good and bad really is an automatic setup for failure because right. it, it will work for a couple of days, a couple of weeks, whatever, but it won't work long term. Um, so I usually start by like, um, or often start by like removing good and bad labels that can be, it's really powerful when you do that. Got it. Got it. And then what, so you kind of start off explaining intuitive eating, then you, you dispel the myth about good foods, bad foods. Food is just food, right? A calorie is a calorie. And then, and then from there, do you move into body awareness, hunger cues or what, what, what are the steps? It totally depends on the, it's so interesting. Cause like I will hit the various things with different people, but depend, it comes up at different times, especially in my one-on-one counseling. Again, my group, it's different. I have nine different weeks. We go in order, but like, it totally depends on the person, but, um, because some people, it will eventually come up in conversation. Like I can't, I don't know when I'm hungry. Like I can't feel when I'm full. This comes up a lot. Um, but it is one of my favorite things to do with people, help them reconnect with their body and those physical cues. And, you know, we, like in my world, we use the phrase, listen to your body all the time. Right. right? To the point where it's like, okay, like, you know, you hear it enough and you're like, well, what does that even mean? Um, but people can't, listen to their body if they don't hear what it's saying in the first place i use this doorbell analogy that's like very simple but for some reason i think it like works really well where it's like you can't answer the door if you don't hear the doorbell right right so if so i get my clients to hear the doorbell before they can answer the door um and that is understanding like what levels of hunger and fullness they can feel very often. So there's something we use called the hunger satiety scale. I don't know, Chris, if you're familiar with it, or if you've seen it, um, or Matthew, if you have heard of like the hunger satiety scale at all, it's very cool. It's um, a scale from one to 10, ranging from extreme hunger to like very uncomfortable fullness. Mm. So it's one scale for all the different levels and nuances of physical cues. Yes. And it's really great because like, it's really hard to describe hunger sometimes. And, and especially for people who can't feel those cues. So it gives us all sort of almost like tangible, objective way to talk about something that is very nuanced and subjective. So yes. we have numbers, we have descriptions. So the scale, um, when people look at it very often, they're like, I can feel levels one and two or nine and 10, like extreme hunger or uncomfortable fullness. And they lose, they can't really connect with what's in between. So I can't say eat when you're hungry if they can't feel comfortable hunger if they can only feel i am so hungry that i i can barely think mm. um and i can't say like honor your fullness um or encourage them to honor fullness another thing like we can talk about honoring fullness i'm all about like honor it if you want to mm. like you mm -hmm. don't always need to stop when you're full but like my goal is to help you recognize when you are full and then choose whether you want to override and keep going because it's just really good Right. Or because like you can't eat again for another six hours. So maybe eat a little bit more now, whatever it is. Um, so like, I can't tell somebody like honor your fullness. if They can't feel when they're full. Right. Um, so that is how I help people listen to their body first by actually connecting with those cues. Do you ever bring food into the session and be like, here, eat this potato <laughs> and, and, and listen to, <laughs> and listen to, listen to your body and, and maybe like take them through the experience while they're eating it or like, you know, Hey, here's a higher fat food. And then in 20 minutes, let's, 
listen for the doorbell, you know? Mm. <laughs> Sometimes. Yeah. I definitely have done that, like, yeah, from time to time. Um, sometimes I'll do it more with like having somebody eat a food that feels scary to them. So that way we can talk about how it feels. Um, or even just like if somebody is like heavily, heavily restricting, like just eating a food with me, we'll eat together. So it's kind of just like, okay, we're just like enjoying some food together. Um, so that's more typically like how I'll approach it. So you're, you're basically just throughout all of this, you are in the business of baby steps. Yeah. Just, oh my God. Like yes. to the nth degree, like the baby the stuff steps. The, but yep. that's what so many people need. Yeah. And meeting the client where they are, like they're part of the process. Like when we set goals, I'm like, how does it feel for you? Like this is based on the conversation that we had today. Like it's, you know, we do it together. Right. Right. Because what are you, what are your goals, Nicole, with the clients you work with? Like if you, you know, like I, I, it's, it, I know what his goals are. What are your goals with your clients? To, I'm going to, I'm going to put it from their perspective, what most people come to me saying. They're like, I want to no longer feel obsessed with food. I no longer want to feel guilty about what I eat. I think about food all the time. I wish that I could like have time to think about other things. I want to feel better in my body. Um, I, so that's, those are my, my goals for my clients to help them with all of those things. Um, to just have food, not be so emotionally charged anymore. And like, there's always emotion with food, but you know, for food to serve at best a place or at minimum, a place of neutrality and like at best a place of a place of like a lot of joy in their life without the angst anymore. Right. This could be a very sensitive one, but I got to throw it out there because it's all the rage. But so talking about talking about listening for the doorbell or teaching people how they feel about their own hunger or satiety cues. What do you think about Ozempic? I knew it. I knew (laughs) it. You knew that was coming. I I even thought about it like two hours ago because I was like, I was like in the kitchen um, and I had Instagram open and I saw something about Ozempic. I'm like, we're going to talk about this today. 100%. I don't even know. Oh, what it oh is. my God. It is. It's okay. So, so how everybody else out, just like yes. me, has no oh. idea what we're talking about right now. Oh, it's. Go ahead. Do you want to. No, no, please. Okay. It's, yep. It's a, it's a diabetes medication. It's an injectable medication for diabetes to help um, lower blood glucose. And um, it has a known side effect of weight loss and appetite suppression. So. Got it. What do we think has now happened? It is taking the world by storm. Um, wow. The really like like shitty thing about it is that um, now people are using it like as a weight loss drug. It's not approved for weight loss. It's approved for diabetes. Um, but like you can pay for it privately. So people are kind of just like spending a lot of money on this drug now for people who can afford to do that. Um, I saw it on like, it was, um, I don't know if there were things, there were a couple like Real Housewives being interviewed on Bravo talking about it. So like now like the Real Housewives are talking about, they're all like using, I don't watch Real Housewives, but like, I guess they're all like using Ozempic or something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I think you you asked me what my thoughts were on Ozempic. Yeah, because I mean- Clearly she is a huge fan. Can well, you tell me? <laughs> I know, right? This is her favorite. She's on it right now, actually. <laughs> well, the, there, there are multiple- um, the branded versions of the semaglutide is what it is. Yeah. And, and, and like she had mentioned, it's for diabetes patients to help manage blood mm-hmm. sugar, but it also, it also helps, um, 
it creates a, a sense of fullness. Like where it, it, it curbs hunger cravings, right? And so, or it, like hunger and cravings. Uh, but but to, to the point where it's like they can't keep it in stock now. And so these people that need their diabetes medication can't get it oh, because gosh. everybody's buying it out, right? So, mm-hmm. but here's the thing though. It also helps, it helps people hear the doorbell, right? Because they're like, no. or it doesn't. No. But, so if you, if you mean the fullness doorbell, yes. Right. Yes. It helps people. Well, I don't even want to say it helps people hear the doorbell. It causes early satiety. So like people are actually feeling fuller sooner than they would without it. So people are feeling fullness, but they're not feeling it when they would. Like there's two layers to this. Number one, if somebody is starting Ozempic, they may be starting from a place where they can't feel their fullness in the first place. If they are somebody who has been trying other diets and they're existing in a state of food rules and, and all that, they may be like many of the people I work with, not actually connected to their cues in the first place. So then they go on Ozempic, they're maybe feeling satiety sooner than they would and like are just experience, experiencing a generally suppressed appetite. Maybe if somebody is connected to hunger and fullness and then going on Ozempic, then they may be hearing it just as well, but hearing it sooner than they would off of the drug. And the reason that I had like a strong reaction when you said they're hearing the doorbell, I'm like, actually, no, I worked with somebody who had come off of Ozempic and she came to me not, not not being able to listen, hear her body at all. So she came off the medication Mm. and I was like, I don't know how to eat anymore. Like she already like was not fully connected again because of dieting, but, but the, um, Ozempic was, it kind of disconnected her even further because like it was, it was creating an artificial, you know, kind of appetite for her. So when she came off of it, she's like, I don't know what to do in this case. And again, we'll just need to make note that this is one particular case. Did she find herself experiencing more hunger and cravings when she came off of it? So did she find herself eating more food again? Or was it one of those things where she was able to learn during her process how to manage her behaviors? No, not during. I mean, I didn't work with her until after, uh, but no, she was, and I, she was binging after the yeah. medication. And I don't think that was her first time binging in her life ever. Because again, like dieting, and this is one of the dangers of dieting. I mean, it's so funny because when I talk about this now, I'm like, well, obviously dieting causes binging, but I have to realize that not everybody like gets that or understands that or like knows that. <laughs> but like, so she was, um, that wasn't her first experience with it, but like after the medication, she was absolutely binging and not connected to her cues. Got it. Okay. Okay. Is this what you talk about when you say diets? can literally catapult people into disorder eating. Is this where you guys, I mean, do you agree with that statement as well? Well, I I've seen, I've seen it on both ends, ends of the spectrum. I've seen people go on a diet and learn an incredible about, um, like incredible amount about themselves and then go on to use those tools for the rest of their lives and be inc- incredibly successful. I've also seen it spiral people into disordered eating. So I've seen it happen both ways and it really depends on the individual and their personality and their likes and their dislikes and really on how they approach this, the whole experience. Mm. So I, I've seen it happen multiple ways. How about, how about you, Nicole? Um, I, I mean, I think because of the world that I'm in, I see fewer successful diets in general. Um, I think also just like, anecdotally so many people in my life who I know who have done something like Weight Watchers for example um share 
you know, you see like it works and then it doesn't. So like, I, I think that it's a very small percentage of the population of people who can do something like a diet and not become sort of disordered with their eating or who can like maintain those behaviors for life. Um, in my own world, I know like two people who have like a solid relationship with food without any element of like disordered eating. Um, like, I, and I mean my personal world, I don't mean my professional world, right, like my right. personal world. Um, so dieting, like you said, you've seen both ends of the spectrum, Chris. And like, I also have seen both where like starting a diet, um, can lead to, more restrictive eating patterns because somebody, you know, starts with something like seemingly harmless, um, like trying to eat less sugar or trying to eat fewer carbs or like trying to eat like quote unquote clean, um, which is a very horrible word to, to use. Cause it's like one of those like moralizing kind of foods, uh, you know, words about food. And then that turns into, okay, well, like I'm starting to restrict in this area let me also try to restrict a little bit in this area and like it can sort of snowball into something that's much more extreme and restrictive and when you start to um eliminate even like one type of food or food group or something it can very easily and quickly become obsessive because now this food i mean it's sort of the human nature of like if you are told you cannot have something you sort of want it more and then also the more you restrict something your body also does, like I said before, try to make up for it in some way. Like anytime somebody feels like they lose, they they don't have willpower when they're on a diet. It's not willpower. It's physiology. It's your body's way of being like, I don't want to be eating this way. I'm going to try to correct it by increasing your appetite. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, so I definitely like it can go both ways in that like a little food rule here can then turn into a longer list of food rules. And now we're heavily restricting. And then um, when we break a food rule, we feel guilty. And then that is like, oh my God, now I feel so much guilt for doing this. I need to be better. And then like go back to sticking to these food rules. There's a, there's a type of disorder eating called orthorexia. It is, um, less well-known. I don't yet think it's in the DSM, like the diagnostic manual for, you know, the mental health disorders. I think it will be, it should be. Um, but it's an unhealthy obsession with healthy eating. And it, it can look really healthy. This is what I personally, I mean, no one ever told me I had orthorexia specifically, but like from what I know about it, and like this is how I identified when I was struggling with my own relationship with food um, years ago where like I started trying to kind of eat healthy and it turned into like very strict food rules, a lot of guilt if I ever broke the food rule. Um, and like that is, uh, people kind of exist at like, we sort of exist in our society in this way where we're like, oh, good and bad foods and I'm going to be good tomorrow. But like beneath the surface, it can be really, really um, like broken and disordered for someone. And even if it isn't yet, it can turn into something like that. I hope I'm doing like a good job of explaining yeah. <laughs> like this side of, of you know, how uh, something like, like, you know, how a diet can, can turn into something disordered or something like Noom where like people I have like I work with people who have been on it and all those like yellow and red foods like now suddenly you feel like you're doing something wrong for eating one of them and like now we have guilt 
associated with the food. Like this is how diets cause a really, really messed up relationship with food because we have like good and bad. And also dieting can easily contribute to something like binging because the natural response to restriction is to binge. They're two sides of the same coin. And when you are in a period of restriction, like I said before, your body is going to like often, not always, right? But like often, the, like your body will try to get more energy into you. Right. <laughs> yeah, no, like a, a calorie deficit causes increasing cravings. It just yeah. it, it does because that's your body's always trying to it's always trying to go back to homeostasis. Again, I I do live in the world of weight loss, and so it's I'm I'm always looking right. to solve the problems, but also to do so without causing any harm. Like, sure, how can we get people right. where they need to go? Without damaging. Well, you know, I'm going to be like the, the the outsider looking at both of you guys yeah. and ch- being the translator yeah. is you you both are very much interested in the right things. You both have said some variation of this phrase, which is I like to give people tools that they can use. And as long as they use these tools, the byproduct will be the thing that they're looking to achieve. Uh, you know, and, and both of you achieve yeah. that your own ways. And the other thing, if I could express some gratitude toward Nicole is that I'm just glad there's people out there like you who are in this space and, and helping folks, because as I am getting educated about this today, I'm thinking very consciously about the people, the loved ones that I have in my life that have eating mm. disorders. And I'm thinking about the war that must be going on in their head mm. constantly. Yeah, when constantly. It, when, and, and when you think about, like, I'm an alcoholic, and, and so it's not a ton of fun for me to be around people that are drinking all the time, right? How impossible must it be for somebody with an eating disorder to be around food all of the time? And food is like the literal focal point of so many gatherings Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. so many of the things that we do together all involve Mm -hmm. food. And man, just thinking about, again, going back to the people that I know and I love about the anxiety that must bring them to go to those places and do those things and all of that. And so I'm glad there's people like you, Nicole, that are helping folks Thank sift you. through those feelings and manage those emotions. Because at the end of the day, what you just said is right. We're all trying to help people and just not cause them harm. Right. Yeah. Right. I feel like we need to have her back for part two because I'm, I love I, that. Yeah. Okay. Cause I really, I want to ask you one more question, but it will open up a literal can of worms that. Oh my I God. Is, let's hear it. Uh, no, I just think it's better off that it's a second podcast. Because, okay. <laughs> Don't forget the question. Write down the question. No, it's, it's, it's right in front of me right now. Okay. And, and just we'll, we'll tee it up, but. The next time we have you back, I really, really, really want to drill down on the root causes of some of this stuff. And um, mm. I, because I know we talk about it all the time on our podcast. We know for a fact that when people understand why something is the case, it's often mm. a lot easier to unravel it or unwrap right. it. And so, you know, we can use mental, my mental health journey, your mental health journey. When you figured out why the things were bothering you, it was like, oh, oh, mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. oh right. And there's like yeah. all these cool discoveries yes. that kind of happen when you figure out the why. So we're going to yes. bring it back next time. We're going to talk about oh my God. root yeah. causes and why. Cool. That sounds great. I really looking forward to it because I feel like I want to just continue talking to you guys for like <laughs> four hours, like another, at least yes. like, I was going to say like all day. So like, yes, <laughs> like, I'm very excited to come back. I have learned so much. Me too. And by the way, Thank you. Thank you for sharing your knowledge and experience because there's a few things that I was actually starting to do that I'm going to do different. The whole thing that you mentioned about, about green, yellow, and red foods, because I've, I've actually had a handful of people saying, 
oh, put green, yellow, and red foods into your app, into your programs and everything. I was like, oh, what a brilliant idea. And I was like, wait a second. Now I'm going to go back and say, hold on, guys. That's not necessarily the best decision to be made right now because we could, again, do no harm. We want to just, the food is the food. And so, and by the way, mm-hmm. for what it's worth, like a lot of times in my programs, I got a cheeseburger, I got pizza, I got, I, we, got right. we got everything Great. people want. We also have salmon and quinoa and we got lots of yeah. salads, but it's like, we have everything in there. But again, now this is another d- discussion because it's all, there's, <laughs> there's macros in there, there's tracking. So this oh, is, no. I know, I know this is in my world. So you, you and okay. I, we, we, we can put on the gloves later and we can, uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. we'll, we'll yeah. go after oh, it. This has warmed my heart in the biggest way when you said you're not going to do the green, yellow, red anymore. Like, I don't know if you could like feel through the screen, the joy that radiated and yes. I just want everybody who cannot see to know like <laughs> how. That was fantastic. We go back. We go back to episode number two of our podcast when Dr. Holly Wyatt said you should learn something this week that would change everything you do next week. Oh my god! And we're perpetual students here. We're just here to learn and grow. And oh my gosh, if you saw my approach. Ten years ago, you would have had a heart, punch, a heart attack right, right in the nose, man. But boom, New York City would come right out. Bow. Yep. But I'll, I'll be the first to tell you, I don't know everything, and I never will. And I'm just here to keep learning. So thank you. And and, and I just want to say, so much for having me. I know yeah. I'm a total literal idiot in this space, and thank you for at least helping me feel a little bit safe as I asked some awkward questions, and I just didn't know any better. And absolutely, we, every question is welcome. So we're gonna run you through uh, one of our favorite segments right now called name that tune where uh we're going to give you the very opening (laughs) couple of notes to some songs and we're going to see how well you can do why are you freaking out right now i'm so scared don't be scared now i'm on the spot i just changed the decade for you because you mentioned you're you like the 90s right but it was the 90s, right? She likes the 90s. Okay, so it's the 90s, early 2000s, like pop. Okay, okay. Well, then you're gonna be fine. That's exactly what we've selected. So, just like the game Hurdle, you get the opening couple of bars, and then we'll need title and artist. We can all work together. This is you're not on an island here. Okay. All right, you ready? Yes. Okay. Here we go. Opening line. Here we go. Okay, that's all you get. I know it. Oh, I don't know it. Here, I don't. At least I don't think I do. Okay, should I keep going for no, a second? No, no, no. <laughs> do you think you'd, well, would you, it, would that help you, Nicole? Wait, 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 what you just did. Such a perfect body. I know the song. Cause I'm a, a creep. Yeah, there you go. Yes. You got it. By Radiohead. Yeah. Yes, that's the one. That's the one. All right, here's here's your All here's right, your second you one. You got this. You totally got this. Okay. You ready? Here we go. Baby, I like your stuff. Oh. I like yeah. Oh, you can sing. Do I know the artist? No. Do I-, <laughs> I don't <laughs> I don't know the artist either. I know the song, but I don't know the artist yeah. at all. I can sing it, but I don't know. Yeah. Nobody's yeah. ever heard of this guy before. His name is Drake. Yeah, uh, yeah. he's uh, Drake. You know what? Dance. Maybe I've, I've heard it once or twice. Oh my no, gosh. I feel like Drake like remixed or sampled. I feel like that was something before Drake did it. No, no, that's so okay. Nope. You know, all right. I don't know fine. about you. I just picked up on something uh, with Nicole. She has another talent. She can sing. She can't sing. I, I heard it. No. 
I heard it. You can't hide it. So we'll bring it back for part two. We'll talk about what the root cause is of disordered eating, and she will sing us a song, maybe. And you will include more Backstreet Boys and Britney and, you know, in the in the. Yes, that's a big maybe. By the way, the Britney Spears, there's the song, there's a, there's a, there's a play coming out on Broadway. The, the what's a, one more time, right? Oh, I know. Once upon a one time, that's I it. really, really hope to see it. It's gonna yes. be good. Yeah. Nicole, what a treat today! Thank you so very, very much for your time and your efforts and energy. And we'll link to your um, efforts in our show notes today, so folks want to take a peek there and connect to her. But I, I really, I want to implore everybody to take that baby step. Use those words earlier and just start putting one foot in front of the other and if your life isn't making sense to you right now for whatever reason Mm. and if you think food is maybe that reason then utilize somebody like Nicole utilize somebody that's in her space and start that discussion and start that moment where you like start to unravel everything for yourself so you can put it all back together and um, she seems amazing and she would be very helpful so good luck to everybody Thank you so much. I can't wait till next time. Yeah, me too. Thank you guys. Okay, Nicole, have a great afternoon. See ya. Bye. Bye -bye. See you. What a great conversation with Nicole. I learned a lot, buddy. I did too. I did too. I gotta be honest. I always, I'm so insecure in those spaces because I'm so afraid to ask the wrong question because I don't want to offend, but I just, I wanted to learn more about her world. I just don't understand it. Actually, I think you're in the perfect position because you're coming at it with the experience of, I would say probably 99% of the people out there. And you're asking the questions that they're gonna ask. Yeah. Um, which is awesome because again, sometimes I can't see the forest from the trees. And you can always kind of hear me steering the conversation toward what I'm used to my agenda being because mm-hmm. people come to weight me loss, to help right. them solve a problem. And right. a lot of times that is, it's their health related to their weight. And so it's like, okay, we'll help them lose weight. And so, you know, and, and, and I'll be the first, I'll, I'll admit, sometimes it's, it's, it was difficult at points in the conversation because I could hear her saying, you can't intentionally lose weight without causing a problem. But sometimes people are in a place where if they don't lose weight, it's gonna be a much bigger problem. That's it. So how, I don't know. But the thing is she brings up such beautiful points and she's right. She's right because so many people, I mean, they have that unhealthy relationship with food. So how do you solve some of these problems? I don't know. And I think this is, I'm, I'm going to fall back and I'm going to do a lot of thinking on this. This episode is going to cause me to do a lot of reflecting about what I've done and how I could do differently. Well, and just keep going with the thing that you're doing, because as she said too, everybody's different. Everybody needs to be approached differently. Every yes. situation is different. And, and if you ask me, maybe she just gave you some tools. Yes. So the next time that you're dealing with somebody who's, uh, you know, trying to lose weight and happens to have an eating disorder, you'll have a couple of more tools in your toolbox. 100%. All right. Yeah. Let's get to today's deep dive here on our I Needed That podcast. Where are we headed today, friend? Actually, we're, we're going to be talking about a conversation I had with the most amazing woman who stopped me on the street in New York City just a few days ago. Um, but which by the way, like there were some, so many incredible people out there that, that just came up and said hi. And it was, it was a really, it was really cool. But she started asking me about, she's on, she's on a weight loss journey. Okay. And she then brought up something that I've heard countless times. And she was talking about the fact that, you know, I think she was, she's 35 pounds down or something. And she just can't get her husband on board. Mm, Mm -hmm. I love this conversation. uh, and so I sat back and I had the conversation with her that I'm about to have with all of you right now. And that was that 
you cannot change other people. No. This is her journey, and this is her journey of transformation. So I think it's really important if you are on a journey or if you're thinking about a journey of your own going through your own transformation to have realistic expectations of other people, especially your loved ones. And I'm talking about your family, your friends, your immediate community, your immediate circle. Mm. And I've seen this countless times is that someone will start on the journey of transformation and other people around be like, oh yeah, go get go, it. Go get job. it. I got you. You go girl. Just don't impact yeah, me. Absolutely. Good job. That's, that's <laughs> exactly it. And so <laughs> I still it. want pizza, but good for you. Bingo. And sure enough. So you start off on this journey and you start getting results. And then the conversation changes to, you're not the same person that you used to be. Mm-hmm. Like, what happened to Friday nights at Buffalo Wild Wings? Oh, wait a second. Well, hold on. Oh, I just, I ordered a pizza just like we always used to do. And there's, again, especially after this conversation with Nicole, there's nothing wrong with pizza. Right. Hold on. No, 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 no. <laughs> there's nothing wrong with pizza. But at the same time, if, if you are seeking to make some, some changes in your life because you're looking to, to transform, then a lot of times these other individuals um, subconsciously or maybe even not subconsciously, after a while though, and I, again, I've, I've just seen this so many times, it starts to shine a spotlight on what they're not doing. And so sometimes you start to lose that support from them and not just lose the support, but sometimes they will actually start to sabotage your progress. Here's the thing. And I just want to make this really, really clear with everybody listening. And you need to understand that most of the time where that is coming from is not spite or jealousy or anything like that. So I'm just going to ask everyone to have an open mind and come at this with some compassion. A lot of times, if you feel like your immediate support system, your family, friends, and loved ones are sabotaging your progress, a lot of times it comes from them not wanting to lose you. Because they're used to a certain pattern. They're used to a, a grind. They're used, they're used to you guys doing certain things. And it, when you start to change, yeah, it, it may bring up some feelings of inadequacy in them or whatever that might be because they see you changing and they're not. But a lot of times, them wanting to pull you back into that pattern is them just not wanting to lose you in, the, in mm. their lives. What a beautiful way to look at it. And. And, and the, it's, it, there's so much truth to that. And so I just, if you're going through it right now and you're not getting the support that you feel like you need on it, first of all, please be compassionate toward those that you're not receiving it from. But also, you don't necessarily have to cut them out of your life, but don't expect them to give you that support. I'm just going to give you some hard truth right now. Don't expect the, the support to come from them. And again, don't cut them out. But instead... I want you to just open your mind to the possibility of expanding your circle to some people who can support you, who can be, um, who, who can really rally behind you and be your cheerleaders, whether that's a, a workout group or a walking group or a, a, you know, whatever that might be, a, a yoga class or, or any, there's all kinds of online support groups sure. as well. <clears throat> so you don't have to cut the people out of your life that are in your closest circle. Understand, though, especially if they're trying to pull you back into that old lifestyle, it's going to require some communication with them about where you stand, and you have, you have to be able to draw those boundaries on your journey. 
And then I want you to explore expanding that circle to some other people that can support you on the journey. It would almost seem to like it would be worthy of having that discussion with the folks who aren't supporting you in the way that you would like to say. And you say, hey, listen, almost what you just said, you're not going to lose me. Bingo. But you will if you keep doing this. Like, you won't lose me. I still want to be around. I just don't have to have pizza on my plate or cake on my plate or whatever the thing is, right? Absolutely. But you're not going to lose me unless you keep doing this. Like, yes. you don't have to do what I'm doing. Just support what I'm doing. Exactly. That's, that kind of communication is so beautiful. And, then, and you know what, what really, I've, again, I've seen has worked so well is when you're having that, that communication with them and you're having that discussion with them, you, you explain where you want to go and what your goals right. are, and then you ask them what you, can, what you can do to help support them in whatever journey that they're on. Amen. What do you want to achieve, and how can I help you achieve that? And all these walls, these defensive walls come crashing down, and now you, are, you, you have that loving, supportive relationship, and they don't necessarily have to jump in and be and lose the weight with you. That's their life. They get to choose. But what if, what if your husband really wants to get into, I don't know, building a 57 Chevy? <laughs> what can I do to support you in your hobbies? Right. You know what? Whatever that might be. Then, then now we're talking about a beautiful reciprocal relationship. Not I'm going to change and you have to change because of me. Now, and so, you yes. and I have a slightly different opinion on that moment where they just are flat out not going to support you. And it's going to make it next to impossible for you to achieve your goal. I'm big on, Mm, gotta go. Cut them off. Change the environment. Well, I mean, really, truly, if you want to make a life change and everybody around you is anchoring you and weighing you down, well then, and I know it's hard. Yeah, I. well, that's tough when it's, if it's like your husband or your wife or your kids, you know, it's, it's, yeah, but don't they, how, damn it, don't they need to know how important it is to you? If they love you, if they mm-hmm. love you, if they really want to be in your life, don't they have to fully understand how important this is to you? And, and, and yes. what they want can't be more important than what you want. I, I don't disagree with you. Yeah. I, I don't disagree, especially because... I know this is muddy if, water. No, 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 it, it, it is, it is. And you know what, also, there's some reality to that. There's some truth to that in, in many situations. Some people, you have a conversation, and great, it's all hugs and high fives, awesome. But also, you know, you're right. You bring up a good point. A lot of times it's not. Yeah. And I'm not saying you need to be mean and violent about it, but I'm saying like your partner needs to understand how important this is to you. Yes. Yes. So, I mean, speak passionately, hold your ground, create those barriers and those parameters. And who knows where that goes? I've, I have personally seen, in fact, this has even happened on our show. You see relationships end. Yeah. And sometimes if, someone is looking to change that much sometimes that can be a reality depending on where your priorities sit and if this is a matter of life or death for you then maybe some people are going to be in a real tough situation where they're going to have to go ahead and they're going to put those cards on the table all right man lots yeah, to think about there's, today there's a lot to think about i needed that thank you friend <sighs> I, le- I needed that too brother <laughs> yeah that was awesome i feel like i just went to school Ooh. today yeah. man right <laughs> I know. oh my goodness coming up next week on our i needed that podcast we're going to talk about setting an attention there's all kinds of things that people do that makes them think they're smart it's actually the opposite <laughs> Plus, Michelle Poehler, who's going to come on this podcast, is going to talk about facing your fears. Oh, should be an incredible episode. This is going to be fun. See you next time on I Needed That. Bye, Chris. See you, buddy.